Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Take your recording to the next level with Neural DSP and their unmatched range of guitar and bass amplifier plugins. And right now you can get 30% off all Neural DSP plugins with discount code GUITARNERDS. Achieve an authentic and professional guitar tone at home without the need for mics or cabs. The impulse response loader allows you to move mics around in a virtual 3D environment. And with a range of plugins that cover everything from crystal cleans and shimmering reverbs Right across the crushingly aggressive metal tones, there's something for every type of player. But don't take my word for it, all neural DSP plugins come with a free 14-day trial with no credit card required. Up your plugin game with neural DSP and guitar notes. Visit neuraldsp.com for more details. And welcome to a new series of the Home Recording Guide. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined by Matt Knight. Good evening. Good evening indeed. And in this series, we we obviously we are attempting to make a track using easily accessible, largely free or affordable home equipment. And we're talking you through every step of the way. Now, this is actually the last episode, the final episode, the finale of the Home Recording Guide Season 2, um, the fourth episode. So, dear listener, if you're tuning in for the first time, go back and check out the other episodes, 1, 2, and 3, because what we've done in Episode 1, we spoke about all the equipment that we think you should get hold of in order to... Um, in order to create an excellent home recording. And we're not talking about silly, expensive stuff. We're not expecting you to go out and buy top-end stuff. We've made it free or incredibly affordable in order to get set up. That's what this was kind of all about. Um, And then in the second episode, I provided Matt with a little bit of a backing track, bass, guitar, a little synth and some drums. And I said, well, here's a minute 30 track. Do you want to add some guitars on top of it? Of course, this series is sponsored by Neural DSP and we've been using the Neural DSP Corey Wong plugin suite. Um, which is absolutely fantastic. Of course, dear listener, you get 30% off with the discount code GUITARNERDS on NeuralDSP's shop on NeuralDSP.com. Um, so Matt went away, used the Corey Wong plugin, and much like you, dear listener, Matt was you know, a, a real freshman when it came to using a plugin rather than a real amplifier, and there was a real learning curve there, but I was absolutely amazed with the stuff he gave back to me. I expected to have to do so much work 
so much more work than I did. <laughs> I didn't really have to do anything to the guitar tracks that Matt sent back other than a little bit of pan- panning. Like initially I'd said, can you send me Clean DI and the uh, the plug-in version? Because I was thinking his, you know, the chances are that they they won't be incredible and I'll probably want to change some of the effects on them. But they were absolutely brilliant. I thought tonally everything Matt had done was fantastic and it took the song in a direction that I almost didn't expect but was exactly um, exactly the direction I wanted. It was very, very Pink Floydy. And in the last episode, uh, the third episode, I'd been fleshing out um, the tracks. So I'd been adding more synthesizers. I'd been polishing the drum tracks uh, a little bit. Um, that's that's kind of it. I guess adding like panning guitars, adding other guitars with new effects, a lot of synths um, using, we spoke a lot about field recording and the use of, um, of uh, public domain like vintage audio from films and and public service announcements and things like that. Um, so we we use some of that and a, a few effects. We've obviously done this whole thing in Persona Studio One, and for the for the most part, other than your DSP, we've used things that come with the free version of Studio One of Persona Studio One, and that brings us pretty much to today. So we went away at the end of the last episode and my role was, my task after the last episode was to master this track, to completely polish it, to finish the track. Because we'd, at the end of the episode, I'd said, Matt, can you send me a couple of more dynamic playthroughs of the lead line? And I'd also asked for some chords, just some open chords to be strummed to put underneath everything to thicken them up so matt sent me those i added those to the track and i have now mastered it and finished the track and i guess sorry yes i know i'm monologue at the start of all of these episodes that's that brings us up to today we're going to play you the mastered track and we're going to talk about what you know what we've done at this stage um i guess let's start with you matt so you went you went away this time and you provided as I said, the more dynamic lead line and the open chords. Yeah, which um, what was interesting. So you sent me all of the bounced wave files. <laughs> yes. um, I sent you all the stems. Yeah, um, all I, the stems I, I, yeah. rather than like one track, which was handy actually. Um, I know a friend of the podcast, uh, Al Lawson, was uh, saying that you could actually share the project. So you could share you know, all of the plugins and everything that you'd, you'd set up, which maybe would have been a good idea. I know when you sent me the the files, obviously you were like, oh, you'll lose the leveling and the automation. Um, but because I was kind of, you know, working to a brief, it was actually handy just so I could have, um, just so I could mute like individual parts. I think that's all I really needed to do. Like basically muted like all of the synth parts um, uh-huh. and just wanted to hear my guitars and I could just, I just leveled a couple of bits just so I could play along to the track um, yeah. better. I think that's um, always a useful way to do it. I mean, the only reason you'd share the the complete project, as Al suggested, would be if we had exactly the same plugins. And, you know, it gives you access to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, all the 
all the stems and like the bits that I would have cut out and replaced them. But I didn't really want you to have access to that sort of stuff. You didn't need access to the messy bits of it. You just needed the clear, clean stuff. And also you wouldn't have had a lot of this stuff because I was using um, a lot of things. Like uh, I remember when, even though, you know, you you had essentially downloaded the same version of Persona Studio 1.5, the Sphere version, which is their professional version, We'd both done um, kind of selected down, selective downloads, custom downloads of the package, and I know you you'd chosen not to download quite a lot of the things that I have downloaded and I do mm. use on that session, and so those things would have just in your session just wouldn't have been there. So it would have it would have messed up the whole thing. It was much easier in this case to just give you all the stems and you to drop them into the existing session where you'd made the guitars yes. in the first place. So uh, so I did that, and I had a bit of a. A sort of play around first just trying to remember what i did last time and got things to to work and i sort of yeah at first i was like wow all i'm hearing is like di like what am i doing wrong and then i just realized oh, i haven't like you know dragged and dropped the plugin properly so it's one of those things obviously the more you do it the better you get so i was just mm. sort of getting used to, to doing a bit of that also this time around i spent a lot more time balancing out the di sound into the interface to capture as like bigger dynamic range as possible i I don't know if you noticed this joe but last time i sent you the tracks they all looked very quiet on the um project and i was like i just don't know if they're like loud enough um so this time i spent a bit more time like boosting the boosting the gain and just trying level things out and we're going to talk about this a bit later on but i think I have a mixer, which I'm going stereo out into the interface. And the only reason I have that is at points, there was a point where I had like a drum machine and a synth and I was using some rack units all at once and sort of doing a bit of a, like a live hardware thing into the interface, just so I could basically hear. um, So I didn't have to plug my synth and drum machine into an amp. And the interface was obviously a way to monitor that in, in real time. Yeah, makes so sense for just playing on your own yeah. at home, like without needing to record. But yeah, it's, but it's a little convoluted as soon as it comes to recording. I'm always very dubious about adding gain stages in more yeah. gain stages in front of things. And uh, I think that's where the issue lies because I was going into channel one on the mixer, which, which has got a gain pot on it. Then you've got the level control. Then obviously you've got the overall output level and then trying to balance that so it's not in the red, but enough so it's going into like the orange. Yeah. Getting that into the interface, um, and which was fine. But I noticed this time around, I was really struggling with um, what felt like clipping it in the actual recording itself. Like, yeah. I don't know if I would just had the level too high in the plug-in or, or something. or was just pushing things like, I think it was just a lot more diving into the sounds and trying to go, does this work? Does this sound I see. good? Mainly because I just never hear guitar sounds that way. I'm so used to a speaker. It, it, it still feels a bit alien and trying to get, trying to get used to that. Um, do you use headphones as well? Or do you just, I uh, you just was use using, the I, I started off using the monitors, um, which was okay, but I like, headphones because it feels a bit more closed in it feels a bit more direct in some ways it almost feels like playing with an amp um rather than monitors which to me feel a bit colder um Uh i mean i'm using a a pair of rh roland rh 300s which i think are a, a 
couple hundred quid uh, at least. Um, you know, really good pair of studio headphones. Uh, well, yeah. I think anyway. Um, and I've had them for like 10 years. And then I've just got some relatively cheap monitors. They were like less than 100 quid because I was right. really just using it for my just playback my mac yeah. my just yeah. my playback yeah you know just 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 for through a mac so yeah spend a bit more time with that and then yeah the brief that you gave me first of all was playing a bunch of chords over the track and that was that was bizarrely challenging um in two ways one obviously a lot of times you would start with a rhythmic playthrough and then you would add embellishments on top but the way I approached the guitar parts in episode two, obviously they were a little bit more open and a bit more free. So then trying to find a one of rhythm that fit underneath it was actually quite difficult. I actually went, oh, you know, that sort of fits the track. Yeah. Um, and again, because it was unmixed at that point, you know, I'm playing to unmixed stems. I was like, oh, I don't know how it sits. It sounds too loud. And obviously, you know, when we play the final track, you'll hear that I think you've you've kind of made it fit quite well. Um, and then secondly, I, I struggled like harmonically with how it was going to work. So I spent a bit of time dialing in a sound and then flicking between that and the DI sound. And you wanted sort of open chords, like a, you know, kind of backing rhythm, as it were, yeah. just, you know, just open chords, no, no extra twiddly bits or anything like that yeah but because i was playing open chords down the neck and i was using the harmony juno for that the guitar sounds i was dialing in were very bass heavy and the rest of the track felt quite heavy in the low end of the mix so actually it felt really like swampy and a bit too kind of like nothing's really cutting through but the di was like oh because it's just direct i can get a better idea of what i think the guitar sound sound should be yeah um which i think you you ended up doing in the track anyway yeah um what i would have really liked to do uh and maybe this is one for a future episode or when we record our ep joe um is acoustic guitar i think would have worked really well um for that and it would have been good to be able to record some acoustic guitar i think i think um, i think i agree retrospectively what i did with this was try to make it sound like an acoustic i think i maybe asked you to do this because i preferred i because i wanted you to have more parts on this and i knew you didn't necessarily have the facility to record acoustic like i did but i think mm. the thing that i'd imagined for that part was an acoustic part and if i'm honest what i did with i took your di'd um di guitar because i agree i found the the one where you'd used the neural dsp was a little bit too soupy but that wasn't your fault i think i'd asked for the wrong thing essentially mm. so i took your your di guitar and i first of all i ran that into studio one has this this suite called the fat channel and it comes with a load of fat and a load of tube emulation eqs and compressors and they are absolutely fan fantastic i use them on everything and i can't imagine anything else doing a better job there are a lot of very good compressors and eqs out there in fact if you buy the Focusrite scarlet 2i2 um interface which we've been talking talking a bit about they come with the red 2 and red 3 emulation compressors 
and EQs, which are, you know, very, the real world version versions of those are very sought after. But I find the Persona's Fat Channel stuff to be in, in very, very musical, very easy to work around. And you and just, you know, if you want something to sound modern, you use the FET things. And if you want something to sound vintage, you use the tube things. It's, it's very, very well laid out. Mm. They also all have a load of presets. One of the presets was an acoustic guitar. And I was like, well, let's hear what happens when I use the FET um, acoustic guitar uh, sort of uh, preset, which will apply a, a bunch of compression and some EQ um to that and, and essentially what it did was knock off an, a load of the low end and really try and boost the the high end and really kind of squash your signal and i was like well this is already sounding better i then ran it through the newer dsp Corey wong um because i wanted a little bit of reverb on that i could have just used some room reverb but i thought well we're using the neural plugin so i'll use that and i used the tom quail preset he had a he had a like a crystal clear um preset on there um, which was uh, which was really nice. It had a, like a touch of reverb on it. I customized it a bit, like knocked off more of the low end and boosted the mids and the treble. And the end result was a very thin, jangly sounding electric that had a lot of characteristics similar to a um, a di'd acoustic, which mm-hmm. I think was ultimately what you know what was what was going to yeah. work. I, it was interesting because when I was dialing sounds, I was like, it "Kind of needs this. This needs to sound like an acoustic." So, mm. yeah, I think, and also, I think I would have preferred to do that part first. Um, yeah. Which, which, to be honest, I started doing, and then I was like, "This is really boring," um, and I, and that's when I started to like embellish a bit more of the track. But again, as we, we spoke about a couple of episodes ago, it's having that vision of where you want the track to stand and understanding that you've got to put the building box in place and nothing is necessarily final anymore. You can go back and tweak things or remove things. But I think I would have liked that acoustic part to play on top of rather than trying to play an acoustic part that fit in with all mm. the embellished sort of electric rhythms that i put in so it was actually quite challenging and i i think a good learning for the future that actually i think if i'd have put that part down first um maybe would have found room for it a bit better yeah Yeah, i think so i agree i agree Um, and then and then the lead parts how uh, how did you find those it was really tough at first because i improvised it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so actually you know creating an improvised part is always tricky <laughs> yeah and i mean it's not like i'm you know Ingvar Malmsteen or paul gilbert so it's not like i was like oh right okay i've somehow pulled off this ludicrously hard lead line which i've got to recreate you know i, I obviously you know when people hear the final track you know i've put you know a couple of gilmore licks in there um but in the second episode, so when we were building that those parts, you know, in between the first and second episode, I I did about fifty passes on that what? part. I just kept playing over the top of it, and and I'll tell you what was interesting in a second about doing it this time. And then there was a couple of it's like, oh, it doesn't sound right, and that's where I was talking about dropping in for that one specific part. Yeah. yeah. So I could remember what I what I did. I mean, you know first shape pentatonic i'm you know i'm not exactly you know um breaking new ground here um you mean there are I, other shape pentatonics yes okay. yes other than one um probably two 
maybe three. Um, so what I did, and, and I suddenly, I, I don't know why I thought of this. And I was like, oh, I'll just try it. And it worked. Um, it's obviously used the loop feature on there to loop one section. So what I did was I just looped one bar before the lead line starts to the end and then just like played it round. And I was like, right, okay. And then I was just figuring it out slowly because, you know, that part part is only 25 seconds long. Yeah. Played it, played it again, played it again. Got it. Remembered what I did. Then there was a couple of it. I'm like, it doesn't sound right. And I was like, oh, it's because I've bent this note like a quarter tone. And I'm like, right. So I sort of fumbled my way around that a little bit. Uh, and then I hit the record button and obviously it records. And then if it's not right, it goes back and just overlays what you did. So I did it quite a few times um, till I got it as as well as I think I would ever going to get it. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't a written lead line. If I'd written a lead line, I think I would know <laughs> yeah. how to play it properly. And then I would have been able to play on top of it. But what was interesting is I muted. No, I didn't mute. I when I came to doing that bit, I was like, right, I just dial in. You wanted something a bit more dynamic and a different sound. So I just dialed in a sound, used one of the presets. I think it was just like Strat Lead or something, Humbucker right. Strat Blues or, or something. And um, used that. I was like, oh man, this sounds great. And then I just soloed the two parts. So I could see how close I was once I got it. And uh, I realized how undriven <laughs> the actual original lead part was. Hmm. Um, and then I thought the two sort of blended with some proper mixing that you did. Um, I thought the two parts came together quite well, but, um, it was interesting. And I actually realized that I enjoy the process of recording. Um, and I kind of like working to a brief, obviously I'd love to know more about mixing and mastering and producing, but having done this with you and you having some ideas and stuff, I can get right you do this and you do that. And that's obviously the benefit of having a producer. It's someone with a different perspective, looking at the track and going, let's do this or let's do that or try this again. Or, And I, you know, I actually think now how productive a recording session you can have just by back and forth stems and project files. And, and you know, over the course of a couple of weeks, you could actually do several tracks. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely love this sort of process. And, and dear listener, I do uh, uh, recommend it. You know, to, especially at the moment, whilst whilst a lot of us all around the world are still in in lockdowns. If if you have musician friends that you'd like to work with, Studio One is free at its lower end. As are a lot of um, uh, DAWs. If you want to use a different one. Um, you know, I, I, I really recommend trying to do something like this. It's loads of fun. It's a really interesting experience. And as Matt says, it's pretty easy to do, like being able to go back and forth and constantly change things like Matt, if we were, if we were making this song for, for ourselves and not for the podcast, obviously at this point we'd have gone, oh, you know, that, that open chord part, like, cause I've made do because we've been doing this week by week and we've only got a finite amount of time, you know, in our evenings to, for you to record the guitar parts and for me to produce the, the stuff on top of every, you know, your, your working week and my working week. Um, but you know, if we were making this song for ourselves at this point, we'd probably go, well, let's take that away and let's record in some acoustics and let's see how they go. You know, we'd spend more time on this and that's, 
We spoke about this last week about just being able to chip away at something, uh, you know, over and over again. And I, I just find that process in making music so wonderful. Just being able to mm. constantly improve, constantly, you know, you, you're just always fine tuning something until it, it until it is as perfect as you can make it. It is important to know when it's <laughs> as perfect and you can as you can make it, as we spoke about last week. But um, yeah, but so it was it was good, and and then obviously I played the track you sent to me today. Um, and I'm super impressed. So I guess we yeah. should probably talk about a couple of the things that you you did when you got those new stems and kind yeah. of getting it ready. And I guess putting the final stamp on it, like you say, you know, not having yeah. that sort of it's never finished. Yeah, we'll uh, play we'll play the track at the end for you, dear listener. So we'll uh, we'll talk through what we what we did first of all. So I guess first of all, those lead lines or lead line that you sent me, you sent me it uh, with the um, the uh, the plugin as you'd set it up and you sent me the di'd version and the same as before i actually grabbed this with i, I put both versions in and i panned them left and right i gave you know one side to the version that you'd done and i was like ah, you know what this needs it's it's a load of shimmer like it doesn't necessarily need to be loud in the mix because the the line's there but i kind of wanted to thicken it out and the shimmer effect is just so very good on the Corey wong plugin so I used, uh, again, one of the Tom Quayle presets. He had a really clean, shimmering guitar. Um, it required a little bit of blending because of, there was almost a little bit too much of the clean guitar there, and I didn't want that pick attack sound uh, to be present mm. so much. So it was a little bit of blending on that, but I essentially panned those left and right. Um, and you can it's, in fact, the, the shimmer that the track finishes on is one of those lead guitars just echoing on because I left you, the, the sustain on that very long. Do you know what's interesting about that? And, again, something about the way that you can, you know, what we say, a recording is never final. Uh, you know, I think JD said it, you know, a couple of weeks ago on the regular podcast about going back. And I would have never played with that sound because that sounds very difficult to play with. You yeah, because it, it, you know, you've, you kind of sometimes you play to the effect. Oh yeah, and so, as soon as you've got a shimmer effect, you'll play less notes because you're. It's all yeah. about the sustain of it. So being able to send DI parts or use a plugin to to or, or to reamp stuff means that you can actually have someone else's take on that guitar sound, which is something that you might not dial in. Um, and I think that's another great point about this and about the track is you've taken guitar parts in a way that I wouldn't have necessarily done, but also mm. I would have played differently if I had, if you'd have said, right, you've got to, here's the presets you've got to use. You've got to use those. Um, because yeah, you, I think the sound, the first sounds that we did a couple of weeks ago, I totally had the sound in mind first and then played to that sound. So yeah, um, yeah I think again, it was that's, nice that's an, that. that's another advantage of, of using plugins to record, you know, mm. if you'd have been going into your pedal board with a load of modulation and delay and stuff and mm -hmm. given me that, there, other than EQing, nothing I can do, you know, other than playing it in again. Whereas yeah. having that DI'd signal just means you can build a guitar track to the mix at the end, which is, you know, it's totally fine, listener. If you're in a band and you've already written 
and played the song countless times in rehearsal studios and you know exactly what you want your guitars, bass and drums to be doing. But if you want to write in the studio, if you want to expand your sound in the studio, just using real world instruments limits you to those instruments um, mm-hmm. for the, for you know, for the latter process. But um but yes, I thought, um, yeah, yeah it, exactly as you say. It, it 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 was great for me to have those DI signals just so that I could try other things for thickening out the the track. And I think maybe you know if we were if we were writing this together as a proper track, I'd probably give you a bit more say in that. I appreciate that I've just sort of taken your guitar tracks and been like, I, I'd do this. You know, yeah. it would have been, it would be more of a discussion if this was something we were writing together rather than just being for the podcast. Um, I appreciate that, you know, you, producers shouldn't just be taking guitarists stuff and <laughs> changing it completely. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, it was, it was interesting. Um, you know, watching a few people like talking about mixing guitar sounds and stuff and man, how much you can change. I just, I, you know, some people are going to listen to this and go, well, it's obvious, but how much you can change your guitar sound in the mixing process. You know, even these big, like famous records, you know, just, just madness. I watched, you know, someone, Andy Wallace mixing Jeff Buckley's guitar sound on Grace. And he's like, here's three different reverb sounds that we had. And here's, you know, how the sound can change, you know, mixing them differently um yeah just you know mental really but what was interesting on the other side was uh i watched a video recently of uh tony visconti talking about producing the bowie heroes album yeah and he was like oh me and me and david always recorded all the effects to track because the effect is part of the track so we never want us to change it so you know the Bass parts and stuff are all affected to tape. Right. Um, so, he, I, you know, I guess there's some some choices you would make. Obviously, that was 1976. Yeah. But, um, you know, def- some definite choices you, you could make if you wanted to. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking of, you know, 
Tony Visconti. I don't know if we spoke about this on the podcast, but um, he he remixed um, my favourite Bowie record, The Man Who Sold the World, which has consistently for the last two years of Spotify been my most played <laughs> record. I'm told oh, I'm, in the top, I'm in the top 1% of David Bowie listeners on Spotify. Wow. <laughs> and I basically only listen to that record. So that's how much I, I love The Man Who <laughs> Sold the World. And in 2015, uh, Tony Visconti actually remixed it. And I... I love it. I I think the 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 remix of it is is the best version of that album you can possibly buy. And dear listener, I I, I thoroughly recommend listening to the. It's not called the Tony Visconti re, remaster, but it, it, he did remaster it. So it was, it's the 2015 remaster. If you're on you know Spotify or Apple Music, you can listen to it uh, like that. And it is um, it uh, how it how he got it through. David Bowie and how he got it through the labels and 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 out there, I have no idea, because he played bass on that record. Mm, he David wrote the Bowie. bass part. Uh, yeah, the bass part's basically all you can hear on that yeah. record. It is so loud. The ba- it's unbelievable. If you listen to it, you're like, is this a demo? Like, is this a mistake? Is this a playthrough on YouTube? You know, the bass is yeah. so loud, so much louder than the vocals and stuff. It's incredible that this got through, but I love it. Like, I completely love it for that. There's something so incredibly raw about it. And I'm sure mm. it's what he's going through. It's just such an unusual, um, an unusual mix. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, I guess that one interesting thing, just quickly, we should probably touch on is is reamping. You know, just talking about effects and and stuff like that. And I think we spoke about it last week, and I'm maybe a bit on the main podcast as well. But that's definitely something I would want to do. I liked using the plugin for a basic amp sound to obviously raise the sound above a um, a DI. Um, but I'd love to be able to use some of the effects that I'm used to. I wasn't. A, it took me a while to dial in the drive sounds because I wasn't used to that. And obviously uh, very different dialing that sort of thing in with um, plugins rather than hearing it through a real amp. So I'd have liked to use some of my pedals to try a few different flavors and reamp it and go, oh, I can dial it in in real time and change it. Um, but I think for that, probably need a new interface. Well, you'd, you'd need an interface with a couple more ins and outs potentially, but you could still do it if you sacrificed your monitors because I believe you've got two outs on that. And and let's actually talk about that because reamping is something I've done on this recording. Okay. Um, well, in, in fact, this is because Studio One Professional, so this is the top tier version of Studio One, dear listener. Uh, so you can get this as Studio One Sphere, which is like £15 a month or something like that and that's that's what i subscribe to and then you get access to everything they have all their plugins when they release new plugins as well and you know all the, all the bits and bobs all the bells and whistles and um one of the plugins that they have is a plugin called pipeline which i think is absolutely incredible and almost makes it worth getting studio one just for pipeline pipeline is essentially a way to turn your pedal board into a plug-in that's kind of the deal so you use pipeline to run out of your interface into your pedal board and then back in to your interface and it, it then allows you to set your ins and your input volume your output volume and even the mix level uh on on there on your pedal board so that you can make sure it levels up right because you will have to 
um, you will have to cut some of the some of the input going in. Otherwise, things that aren't guitars are really going to slam vocals and stuff like that. But you can level it all up. And what I did was I had uh, um, a couple of pedals that I set up, and I ran that. That then, because it's then saving it as a plugin, you can then move it around in a chain as well. So I can compress things right. ahead of it and use other things after it. It's a standalone thing. So what I actually did was the vocal track um, that I had playing in. I had a, a little bit of field recording running in there. I ran that through an outboard. I basically wanted an an analog uh, delay. So I used my uh, Boss DM2W um, because I wanted to be able to sort of mess with the, the speeds of it real time as it's recording. And so then I was able to run those the, those vocals. First of all, I'm running them into Isotope Nectar in order to clear them up because it's an old fuzzy recording. I downloaded it in low quality, so it's clearing it up. It's getting rid of some of that, uh, some of the noise floor, and it's boosting kind of the the low mids to to make it cut through the mix a little better. So I've got it running into that, then running into a DM2W, which I can manipulate real time as it's recording onto the track. And then, um, and then after that, yeah, back out into the track. But I could add things after it if I wanted to, obviously, right. as well. I yeah, mean, that's I, I... incredibly useful. The pipeline essentially means that every single pedal you own now becomes a plugin that you can use in your door. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that. Um, I like that. You know, I've just spent some time building my pedal board, and I like that I could potentially play with that sound. You know, dial some sounds in, um, still record a DI, exactly. but also still play with, you know, my guitar pedals. Potentially even, you know, you know, you can reamp and still run into an amp and capture that amp sound as well if you want. But I like the idea of, you know, I know my pedals really well and I know that the ins and outs really well. So it's nice to be able to dial those in really really quickly and i i like the more tactile hands-on feel rather than sort of a plug-in I, I felt myself tweaking more than i would maybe with a guitar pedal which is good in some ways um because you're discovering new sounds you know rather than going oh i always use this sound to my pedal and i know it works so yeah, yeah probably adding a bit more variation in but i think being able to do the two would be uh would be very very beneficial i think yeah yeah absolutely and also um, just for recording you know, for the day to day in terms of this is what this guitar pedal sounds like. And, you know, things even I do at work, it'd be great to be able to record some stuff for, you know, people in my team and say, you know, this is this product and it does this and, you know, be able to capture the sounds and have it in real time, you know, be oh, able yeah. to play it back and edit it and stuff like that. I think. The, I mean, great. the most, the most useful thing about pipeline, the, the reason why I've used it in the past actually is just because I, um, I might want, to um uh, if like real world reverbs they're obviously fantastic i have loads of them they're really cool if i ever want to record any of those oh, i've got to record the reverb first and then into the amp plugin and then into you know whatever compression or eqing i want to do which is not the way that you want reverb to be hit you want that to be later in the chain so being able to use pipeline to turn it into a plugin means that i can build an amp, uh, you know, I can build my amp tone on the DAW and then have the reverb post post amps in, yes. which is yeah. very useful. Um, so, um, 
so going back to the track then so obviously yeah you pan pan to the guitars um and you know we've just talked about reamping and everything so what about the drums because i know before when we spoke before um obviously the drum track even though it's looped and sampled drums you can still have them as individual tracks and you can go in and and mix them and eq them separately that's right yeah so the drums um the drums actually for the sake of this had relatively little time spent on them and i i'm i'm probably for the remainder of this episode i think we should talk a bit about the third tool that i'm using we, we essentially we're using neural dsp studio one as our daw the other plugin company that i want to talk about is isotope um who you know we we use for every every podcast by guitarists that you listen to is edited with um isotope nectar 3 and then it's mastered with isotope ozone 9 um so you know it, and and we use their rx stuff for matt's uh, consistently noise flawed uh, <laughs> uh ah. input. <laughs> yes we need um, to um I think we need to ditch the mixer and go straight into the interface. <laughs> I'm going to buy. I think I'm going to buy a new interface as well. So yeah. uh, oh, there you, you go. Know, whenever you do something like this, it highlights more things that you need to buy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so Isotope have always been kind of a, a brand that we really like. We did some work with them last year. Dan Pilvner from Isotope is a friend of the podcast. It's been really great with us for getting us samples of things like the Spire and and everything else in the in the past. So um, I use Isotope plugins a lot, I guess, is the is the short version of that. And for the drums, I use their Nectar 3 plugin, which I love because I don't know drums that well. Uh, you know, I'm not a drummer. So I'm kind of like, I think I know what I'm looking for, but I don't know how to get it. Well, there are two things that Nectar 3 has. One is presets, which is actually what I tend to use. Now, if you go into the presets for Nectar 3, it goes, hey, is this a whole drum track? Like, is this a, just a wav wave or is this a is this an actual drum? Is this a snare or a kick drum? And so I can go, okay, well, I'll apply it to the bus. I'll apply it to the bus on the end. So it's all of, because I don't want to mess around going through each drum because I don't know enough about what I want from each drum. But I do know what I want from the overall drum sound. So we'll use it on the on the drum bus the last thing so applying to every single drum and all the in the preset files it's like hey, is this pop music is this uh um do you want to sound this to sound like a garage do you want this to be gated um you know super gated electro like it 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 gives you maybe 50 i've made it sound like they're really basic presets but it gives you maybe 50 different presets that all apply different things and the great part is you apply the preset it's not just a name you click on the preset and it gives you a little blurb explaining, you know, this preset is going to add some real, uh, some transients to the to the symbols, some subtle compression to the low end and yada, yada. You know, it's it gives you an overview and you're like, oh, OK, fine. That's that's actually what I want. That's good. So you can pick it like that. The other thing that Nectar 3 has is a, master, uh, a mixing assistant. So you can play a sample of the track and it will go, OK, we think this is what you should do. And you can then kind of take it from there. You can either run with that and it will apply everything, compression, EQ, a little bit of reverb, stuff like that. Or you can mess with it. So uh, so for the drums, I actually I actually did go for their pop preset in the end, um, which just added some, some subtle reverb um, and a good solid kind of low end to the drum kit as well. So... That that is that is what we went for. So so clever that just the things that plugins can that you can do, and I guess you 
you use them, you know, they are a tool. They're not just like, put this on and it fixes everything for you. You know, you don't have to, um, you know, they don't, they don't do everything for you. You've still got to learn how to use them. The more you use them, the, the better tool they become. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Overall, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess, you know, to be honest, we should, now we're in the, the real, the coming up to the end of this podcast, let's talk a little bit about mastering. Um, yeah, so this is the kind the, of, this is the sort of dark, well, mixing is a dark art um, because obviously there's so much you can do within a mix, but mastering is something I've never really fully understood. Now, I uh, have a friend who who has a space at Air Studios and he took me into one of the mastering suites there, obviously Air Studios being one of the biggest, most famous studios in London. And the mastering suite was like one console with like two monitors. And he was like, yeah, those monitors cost like 300 grand. And then behind <laughs> him was like a direct laser cutter for master to like, uh, like vinyl cut. And I'm like, I don't really understand what you do. Surely once wow. you've mixed it. So uh, tell me, Joe, what is mastering? <laughs> so most people think mastering is just making things louder, but it is so much more than that. It's adding depth to the track it's also you know fixing any issues it's leveling everything out and it's making the track sound the way that we're used to hearing things in comparison to other records as well the great thing about persona studio one is it has essentially two versions of its daw in one it has song and project song is where we create the song that's where we mix um, and project is where we master so what I did when I'm happy with the mix, I export it into a project and I get a whole different door, a whole different layout, which comes with a load of Presonus stuff, like loads of plugins that I can use, you know, some limiters, compressors, EQs, things like that that we're going to need. But I don't actually use any of the Presonus stuff for that. I, again, I default to Isotope and specifically Ozone 9, which is my best friend, um... And essentially within within this project page, I can apply Isotope Ozone 9 to our complete mix. And again, the same as Nectar, I can go, hey, o Ozone 9, um, what do you think of this? And it will listen to a section of the... Um, it will listen to a, a, a section of the track. I'll play it a loud portion of the track. And I give it some information first. I tell it if it's for streaming. I say what uh, what level I, I want to get the track to, the you know the, the correct volume for streaming that I need it to be at. Um, and I also select whether I want it to be vintage or modern, which is a wonderful feature. And they have a completely different set of plugins depending on what you wanted in this case. You know, it's a it's a standard streaming volume, and I I want a modern mix on it. So, um, Ozone Nine listens to everything, and it then applies a handful of things. It applies an EQ, a dynamic EQ, which changes moves with the track to keep everything under control. A little bit of compression uh, and a dynamics function to kind of increase um, the the dynamics within the track. It applies all of those things as a basic and says, Here, here's this, what do you think? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I won't touch anything uh, for the minute. And then I add a couple and just a couple more things. That's all we need to do is, is to add a, a couple more things. The, the first one is to add... Um, uh, to add an imaging, the imaging plugin that um, Ozone 9 has, 
imaging has this thing called a, a stereoizer, a stereoizer, which increases <laughs> the stereoness of your track. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, that's that that's it. But essentially, you can split your EQ and then you can say, okay, I want my lows not to be too affected by this because lows should be relatively stable. But my, you know, my mids and especially my high end, I want it to really have a, 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 a very much a stereo feel to it. And you can kind of, that it's really easy, very easy to kind of apply those things. And it's kind of magic. You don't need to know too much about it, but it sort of, you know, it does exactly what you want. And they have another pl another plugin called Low End Focus, which is very, very useful indeed. Low End Focus isolates the sort of uh, behind the um, club doors, the sort of... I love that sound. That's yeah, yeah. It's great, great with synths when you, you sweep the filter and you're like, I'm a real <laughs> DJ now. Exactly, exactly. And, and what you can do with Low End Focus is take that sound and tighten it. Um, and it allows you to, by the simple use of a fader, to tighten it up and add some gain to it if you want. And it just, it, especially when it comes to the drums, it really makes them impact, um, which is you know a fantastic feature. And kind of once you're at that point, you'll be thinking, well, this sounds good. It's you know, Ozone Nine has increased the level. Ozone Nine has essentially done the limiting, the compression, and the EQ for you. So you only have to maybe touch up anything that you that you want slightly changed but essentially it's done the whole thing for you and that's when another plugin called tonal balance 2 comes in also by isotope and tonal balance 2 this is what what's really good is here's the problem with me mastering anything in my office it's not soundproofed and i'm next to a window and i'm in the corner of the room and i'm sure all of those things don't help uh, you know, how I'm hearing this track. So what Tonal Balance does is it listens to your track and it tells you um, lows, low mids, high mids and highs. It tells you where all of those things are sitting in comparison to ordinary tracks that have been released already. How, what ordinary tracks, I hear you say. Well, it has a load of presets. It could be, you could choose like modern music or you could choose country or something like that. It's got like some genre things. Or you can play a track that you want it to sound like, you know. So, for example, um, I played in Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd. Okay. And, and it, it tells me where all the lows, the low mids, the high mids and the highs it, and it gives me kind of a like this is as low as they go and this is as high as they go it gives me like a you know a threshold and then it shows me with a needle where each of those things are within my track throughout the track you can also view it in fine detail where it kind of shows you it almost as your track being a line running down a pipe the pipe being the you know the minimum and maximum of each tonal frequency and where your track sits in comparison I mean, that, that is, is incredibly, it's, it's madness, but it's wonderful because it means like, what if I've mixed with loads of low end because, you know, my I'm right by a window and a lot of my low end, you know, seems to disappear through there. What if my mix is just really, really subby and I just haven't heard it or I'm a bit deaf? Well, tonal, the tonal balance plugin literally tells me if I've gone too crazy on that stuff. And then the best part is, because it's Isotope as well, it links back to the Isotope EQ 
And it's like, okay, so here's the things that are wrong. Do you want to change them? And you can just move your EQ band to move it in line with Pink Floyd in this case. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah. that is just uh, crazy. But what's interesting with this is this is just giving so many more people the option to release to create music. The, all these are great tools to help people put more music out there and more creativity, which I just think is amazing. A lot of people or purists might go, oh, you can't do that and you need to go into studio. And it's like, yeah, sure. Everyone would love to go to a big studio and have a big budget. And But a lot of people are creating great music and want it out there and want it to sound the best it can sound. And I think it's exactly. so good that there's, you know, tools out there that, that can allow you to do that quite easily and still learn and still develop knowledge. But it's amazing when you discover some records that you've listened to before. So much of it was just done at home or, you know, done in a small <laughs> studio. Um, and I think one, one thing over the last few weeks that I've been really inspired by is Billie Eilish um, and her brother and her did basically the entire album. I think they just released maybe last year, won like seven Grammys or whatever, all at home. Everything is done at home. And uh, all of the writing, all of the recording, all of the vocals. And you just think, yeah, if you can put out a record that gets to the Billboard top 100, number one spot and sells 10 million copies and you can do it at home, then amazing. And I think big studios will always be there because people will always want to do it. But just goes to show how much. I mean, listening to the track that you've done, Joe, um, gives me high hopes that maybe, you know, I could do some music and, you know, we could do some music together or with anyone and put it out there and be really proud of how it sounds. Yeah. And no one would know any better. <laughs> well, I, I agree. I think, you know, I guess in summary, as we're coming towards the, the end of this, I think p platforms like Studio One have made it incredibly accessible for people to learn a DAW. Bear in mind, I only really started using, okay, I've always used DAWs, but I only started using Studio One at the start of 2020. Like, that's not a long time to be this far into it. Um, it Studio One have made their, their, their whole platform very good, very accessible. Plugin companies like Isotope make plugins that would literally allow you to yeah as as you say Matt like it's allowed me to master something to an extent that I think is pretty good without having an awful lot of knowledge I'm sure it could be done be better dear listener and I'm not cheapening the skills of other people I'm just saying it's wonderful to be able to put something out where you're happy with the quality and you know these these plugins have made it possible and you know things like neural dsp because you know I, to be honest, i was talking about this with with my, the boys in polymath earlier like honestly before neural dsp we hadn't tried that many plugins but I, I hadn't found anything that i was actually like plugins are a good alternative you know um it's the, these are the first ones for guitar amp amping that i've heard where i'm going yeah this is actually a good sound you know they're yeah they're uh very good indeed um but yeah so that's uh i guess that's the the home recording guide part part two part with two. me i think yeah. it'd be good to uh to revisit this maybe in uh six months or something and maybe we've had a bit more music and you know more things will develop and um 
new ideas and you know i want to dive into personas a bit more and actually try and do some music like i said i've got a keyboard here i actually might start trying to lay some parts in you know i've got this roland boutique juo6 i want to use that a bit more with um over usb because you can you know you can use it as a midi controller uh, the drum machine I've got, which is another one of the Roland boutiques, you can put output all of the electronic drums as individual tracks, I think. So you can start to do stuff that way. I've got some outboard gear, you know, there's that I've just stuff that I've just never used. Um, so I kind of just want to do a bit more recording to be able to to use that really. Yeah, yeah, um, abs- absolutely. But yes, we should completely revisit this further down the line, do some more. Uh, do some more home recording episodes see where they take us next well i guess um i guess that that brings us up to the point where we need to do the big reveal of the uh the home recording guide season two track um created by myself and matt knight here it is dear listener we hope you enjoy marbius a big machine, 8,000 cubic miles of cluster relays, enough power for a whole population of creative geniuses, operated by remote control. There it was in all its glory, dear listener. Please let us know what you think. Um, you know, you can get hold of us either on our patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds or on the Facebook group, the guitar nerds group. Join us on any of those platforms. Let us know what you think. Uh, are you trying stuff out? Have you got Studio One? I mean, it's free at the entry level. You know, it's very, very good. Have you tried the neural DSP plugins? They're still 30% off with discount code guitar nerds. And of course, they are free for 14 days, so you can try them out as well. And, you know, the other things that we highly recommend, Isotope plugins, the Native Instruments Complete Control, their M-series keyboards are like 100 quid. You know, I, I know all in all, you'll end up spending thousands and thousands of pounds. But get into home recording, dear listener. It's so much fun. We've had a whale of a time doing it. Me and Matt are... Uh, are gonna go create an EP together because it's been so much fun. I think so. Making, I think that's making, what we're gonna do. Yeah, damn straight. Making Pink Floyd esque music has been a lot of fun. We're gonna make some more weird ambient instrumental stuff, uh, which we'll we'll keep you all posted on. But thank you very much, dear listener, for for getting involved. And uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with our regular episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. We'll see you then for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Bye. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.